It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. I don't know about you, but I am going to my happy place this weekend. That would be Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. It's time for my annual trip, and this time I'm not taking my son, who's getting married in a couple of weeks, and I'm not taking my daughter, who's working full-time this summer to make money for college. I'm taking my best friend, Rusty Johnston, who's been on quite a few fishing adventures with me over the last 45-plus years, but he's never fished in Alaska before. I can't wait to introduce him to the experience that starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan to the secluded cove where Sportsman's Cove Lodge is located, and then he is going to get to enjoy all the great food there, not to mention the great accommodations, and take in not just the fishing, but the wildlife too. We've seen bears out there, we've seen deer, lots of eagles, and don't forget the whales, everything from humpback whales to orca whales. But of course, the real reason we're there is the fishing, and the fishing is very good. We usually start off with halibut in the morning, throw in some true cod that are found with them, and then we'll transition to salmon in the afternoon. And with any luck, we'll hit it like we did a couple of years ago where you're catching not just the king salmon, and with our timing, we only get to take home one apiece as non-residents, but also the coho and the pink and the chum salmon. And when you get into a bunch of salmon and you're mooching for them, It is a ton of fun, and I can't wait to share all of this with Rusty. And if you're interested in doing this yourself sometime, just go to alaskasbestlodge.com. That's the website for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. That's alaskasbestlodge.com. This week on the show, we've got three great guests for you. We're going to be talking to Natalie Crabb. She's a field editor with Outdoor Life. The subject is going to be the 125th anniversary of Outdoor Life magazine. Quite a milestone. We'll talk about the history of the publication, how it's evolved over the years. We'll also get to talk to one of my favorite guests. He is Will Brantley. He is a field editor for Field and Stream magazine, and he's got a great article in the latest edition that's all about gigging frogs, something I've never had the chance to do, but I bet Will is going to get us inspired to do so. And I want to tell you about a very special tournament going on in Florida. We're going to talk to Kelly Nelson about the tournament her daughter is running and the proceeds of the fishing tournament benefit the animal rescue organization that she has founded. That organization is called Amber's Animal Outreach, and the tournament is the Paws in Reels Tournament. Ground Zero will be Sailfish Marina in Florida. The date it's taking place is August 19th, and this should be all sorts of fun. Can't wait to talk to Kelly, who is Amber's mom, about all of this. In outdoors news, iCast is wrapping up this weekend in Orlando, and as always, there has been a lot of new products rolled out for this big trade show that's all about fishing, boating, and marine accessories. Several products have improvements to forward-facing sonar, and while many who use it tell you it's amazing because it allows you to cast directly to a fish and see how it reacts to your lure in real time, There are others that think this is going a bit too far. 
One of the biggest critics of this technology is Randy Blockett, a longtime tournament bass angler in Missouri who puts out a short YouTube video every day. He's got over 100,000 subscribers. I'm one of them. I tune in quite often, but boy, he really gets riled up about this subject. In a recent episode, he talks about how both the LiveScope and the new Aquaview cameras coming out equate to spotlighting a deer at night. That latter, of course, is an illegal act, and Randy, along with others, argue this technology, which in Randy's words makes you a video game angler, should be illegal when it comes to definitely tournament fishing, but in his opinion, all fishing, and only used for research and by fish and game agencies. There is at least one musky fishing tournament circuit that has banned the use of forward-facing sonar, and I would be interested to see if anyone is able to run a major bass tournament series banning the use of them as well. I'm not holding my breath at the existing big tournament series like Bassmaster or Major League Fishing doing so because they both get a lot of money from the companies that make these products who sponsor events for both organizations. So we will see what happens in the weeks ahead, but I suspect forward-facing sonar is definitely here to stay. Continuing with outdoors news, we've got good news out of California, where the California Department of Fish and Wildlife conducted their waterfowl breeding population survey and found a 30% increase in ducks. The most abundant species in the increase, that would be mallards. According to CDFW, survey estimates indicated a 13% increase in mallard abundance. Habitat conditions improved somewhat as there was more surface water encountered across the survey area than in previous years. That's according to waterfowl program biologist Melanie Weaver. The full breeding population survey report is available on the California Department of Fish and Wildlife website, but here's the the short version. The total number of ducks, all species combined, increased from 379,870 in 2022, which was a drought year, as you'll recall, to 495,438 this year. And, as you probably know, this year was definitely a wet weather year in much of California that recharged a lot of the reservoirs there and wetlands. Even though this is a huge increase, the estimate is still 8% below the long-term average. The long-term declines are largely attributed to the loss of nesting habitat for ducks in California. Additionally, the impact of that drought has likely exacerbated these declines. But again, good news this year, and it shows that if you get a good wet spring, those ducks can really rebound. When I think of ducks, I think not only of conservation, but also of hunting. And this is a good time to mention that this portion of the show is brought to you by Henry Repeating Arms. They've got over 200 different firearms available for you, and you can see them at henryusa.com. We're talking everything from lever-action rifles that they're very well known for to single-shot shotguns, especially for turkey, lever-action 410-gauge shotguns, great hunting rifles like the Henry Long Ranger that I own, and even revolvers in their new Homesteader carbine. All of these firearms are made right here in the USA. They all come with a lifetime satisfaction guarantee, and they're all rugged, reliable, and accurate right out of the box. So go to henryusa.com, look for an authorized dealer near you, check out the entire lineup, and plan on buying a Henry today. Last but not least, we've got some fishing reports from the Arkansas Fish and Game Commission. 
We'll start off at the Buffalo National River in Crooked Creek. John Barry of Barry's Brother Guide Service in Cotter said Crooked Creek and the Buffalo River are fishing well. With warmer temperatures, the smallmouth are more active. The most effective fly has been a tan and brown clouser minnow. Before you go, check the water levels because Crooked Creek and the Buffalo River have no dams and both have large drainages and are prone to flooding during and following any rain events. So be careful out there. Meanwhile, at Beaver Lake, John Conklin with Fish on Guide Service said, The lake is holding near normal levels and is pretty warm with water temps in the upper 80s. The fishing has been fair to good for most species. The stripers are moving daily and can be caught on the usual trolled baits, with shad being the best, but brood minnows and bluegill work too. Look from Rocky Branch all the way to the dam. And as for timing, you need to be fishing right at sunrise as the bite is only for a couple of hours each day. Don't forget other species there at Beaver Lake too. The crappie are doing well on trolled bandits or any bait that hit from 12 to 15 feet deep. Look for flats that are close to main river channels. The catfish are also being caught trolling the same cranks and they are doing well on jugs and trot lines. Finally, walleye can be found trolling points or bottom bouncing crawlers. Sounds like Beaver Lake would be a very good place to go this week. You can find out more about fishing in Arkansas at agfc.com. Just look for the weekly fishing report. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Do you love to fish? Do you love to eat fish? Well, if you do, you know how important it is to have something to keep things sharp. Now, in the boat, it might be something to keep your hook sharp, like maybe the pocket knife sharpener from WorkSharp, which also works just fine, along with the guided field sharpener for keeping fillet knives sharp. So when it comes to cleaning those fish you catch for the day, you can get that done in a hurry. And let's not forget, back at the house, when you're preparing those fish for a meal. That's when you want to have a kitchen knife sharpener, and there's several electric ones available. You can find them all at WorkSharpTools.com, which lists all sorts of both manual and electric sharpeners you can use in the kitchen, in the shop, or in the field. Sharp hooks and sharp knives make for a happy day on the water, so get your sharpener today at WorkSharpTools.com or look for these products at quality sporting goods stores and hardware stores near you. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display, or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants, and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com.
Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio, and we need to celebrate something here. It's a milestone. Outdoor Life is having their 125th anniversary this year, which is quite a big deal for this long-standing outdoors publication. I think just about everybody in America has read, if they're a hunter or an angler. With us here to tell us more about this milestone is Natalie Krebs. She is the executive editor of Outdoor Life. I incorrectly said she was a field editor earlier, but no, she's way above that now. Natalie, welcome to the show and congratulations. Yeah, thanks for having me back, John. It's good to be here. You are coming out from Northwest Arkansas today, and I guess that's the great thing about working for Outdoor Life as a writer and an editor. You can pretty much live anywhere, can't you? Absolutely. Yeah, all of our staff is remote. We're spread all over the U.S., and I happen to be in Arkansas, and that comes in really handy for working on the road during hunting season. Oh, absolutely. Well, the natural state is definitely a great place to be. We shared some fishing reports from northwest Arkansas earlier in the show today, but let's talk a little bit about outdoor life. When did it first roll out, and what did the magazine look like when it first started? Yeah, so Outdoor Life was founded 125 years ago in 1898. Our original offices were in Denver, Colorado, and it looked, it was actually a little boring, dare I say, (laughs) in 1898. You know, their illustrated covers or even, you know, photos were several years off. So the original magazine just had a table of contents on the cover and a small illustration of a an upland hunter and a guy on a bicycle, which was the hot new outdoor trend in 1898. So pretty quickly, we started putting much more compelling images on the cover, which also helped sell magazines. You know, some of the features I loved about our life growing up is that the cover photos or art was always appealing to me. And I think Outdoor Life was the one that had the It Happened to Me little cartoon series where somebody's almost always getting killed. Was that Outdoor Life or Field and Street? <laughs> that was us. That's um, our This Happened to Me adventure comic first started in 1940, and it is ongoing. We actually, so the most recent issue of Outdoor Life we did is the 125th anniversary issue, but the the, la- the previous issue was dedicated entirely to this happened to me. So we adapted a little bit and expanded it because everybody's main complaint is that it's just not long enough. You know, they want they want more of that adventure comic. So it's still going strong. Nice to hear. And Outdoor Life, of course, have had some, some fantastic writers, giants in the field of fishing and hunting when it comes to writing, to include Jack O'Connor, who called Lewiston, Idaho home in his final years. Yeah, absolutely. Jack O'Connor was, he wore a couple different hats when he was working full-time for Outdoor Life. He was our hunting editor, he was our shooting editor, which is what he's mostly known for. I believe he was our third, don't quote me on that, he could have been our fourth shooting editor. But we had him around for a long time and he wrote, you know, everything from hunting adventure stories about his hunts in Africa to, you know, the monthly shooting columns. So the most recent issue celebrating the 125th anniversary, we re-ran. It wasn't by Jack O'Connor, but it was about him. It was published after his death 
just kind of a, a look at his last years in Idaho and his legacy as a shooting editor. So he's kind of the most well-known guy who's the face of OL over the decades. But we also, you know, we touched on a bunch of other famous Americans that, you know, even folks who don't necessarily read hunting and fishing magazines will have heard of. So we've got stories either by or about uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Buffalo Bill Cody. We have a column uh, by Amelia Earhart about flying into a fly fishing camp in here. Um, And then also stories, yeah, by uh, Ernest Hemingway and story about Babe Ruth uh, in a Nova Scotia deer camp. So there's a little bit of everything from the OL archives. Oh, what a storied history. And Ernest Hemingway, if, if you remember, what story did he write about? He wrote about, well, so in, he actually wrote a couple columns for us, opinion pieces. One of them was about uh, mutilated fish and whether, you know, fish that have been bitten by sharks and whether they should be included in records or not. But the one that we included in this most recent issue was a story about him catching big marlin off the coast of Cuba. Uh, it's a pretty compelling story by a guy named Arnold Samuelson. Wow. That's a good read. Yeah. (laughs) Well, something else we should talk about is, you know, let's face it, uh, when it came to publications like Outdoor Life for a long, long time, it was a boys club only. But in recent years, women have started writing for the publication and women have been climbing the ranks. Look in the mirror. (laughs) And and you're (laughs) definitely one of them, all the way to executive editor. How did this evolve in recent years? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. I will say, jumping back just a little bit to the 125th, like years ago, we actually did used to feature women on the covers pretty regularly. We even had a column called like For the Ladies <laughs> back in the early days and had stories by women. And it started to um, kind of fade out in the 20s and 30s. And it really became OL specifically, but a lot of the other hook and bullet publications became much more male dominated than they once were. And that trend has really persisted kind of even into the late 90s, early 2000s. So when I started working full-time for Outdoor Life in 2014, I was the first female field editor ever for Outdoor Life. Wow. Um, so on staff as, as an editor who went out in the field. And we, we've always had women helping with production and, you know, our managing editor, all that sort of stuff. But the in the field, hunting and fishing is you're correct, relatively new. But yeah, we've come a long way in the last, even the last 10 years or so. We have, our staff is about 50-50 women and men. We have many more contributors who are women um, and freelancers who live across the country. And we're also just reporting more. Um, we're telling more stories about a more diverse audience, which has been really fun to expand our coverage on and, and really interesting. And speaking of expanding your coverage, you know, Outdoor Life was a print magazine for a long time. In recent years, it became a digital publication. And how is it doing? Or do you still have the same number of readers or not? It's definitely changed. We have, in some ways, we have more readers because we can reach so many more people on the internet. And we do have different platforms too. So we've got our podcast where we've got some folks who just like to listen to our stories. We have all our social media channels. And so we really, we have more readers than ever because we can reach so many more people, which is really fun. And then we can also just try new stuff, like new types of storytelling. So things are going well. We've got, um, you know, kind of as we put the print publication to bed, we are still putting out a digital edition, and that's what this 125th anniversary issue is. And we also have introduced, uh, it's called OL+. Plus. We've got uh, a lot of our premium content. So like, original photography, photo essays, in-depth features, like all a bunch of old archive stories. So all of those Ernest Hemingway, Babe Ruth stories I've mentioned, readers can find all that at OutdoorLife.com. 
It's just $1 a month now, which is cheaper than the old pin subscription. So can't go wrong. I completely <laughs> agree. Again, folks, the website to go to is OutdoorLife.com. And as you just heard, there's a whole lot to check out there in the 125th anniversary edition, plus everything else they have in the archives, too. Uh, this is a great publication. I have no doubt it's not only going to be around for 125 years, but I bet 150, maybe even 200. So congratulations again on both the anniversary and also on your promotion to executive editor. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate it. Book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. This is the time of year to get out and cook out. So make your next meal sizzle with Camp Chef, the brand known for quality outdoor cooking. From camp stoves to cast iron, from smokers to grills, Camp Chef will change the way you cook outdoors. To eat like a king on your next adventure, go to CampChef.com or visit your local sporting goods store and get cooking. Whether you're serving breakfast in the backcountry or barbecue on the back patio, savor the simplicity with Camp Chef. Camp Chef, the way to cook outdoors. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at AmericaOutdoorsRadio.com. back to America Outdoors Radio. We've got one of my favorite guests on the line. That would be Will Brantley. He's an editor with Field and Stream Magazine. And quite often we talk about hunting with Will, but this time we're talking about a different type of hunting. Hunting for frogs. Frog gigging, as they call it. Will, welcome to the show. John, thanks for having me back, buddy. I appreciate it. I always enjoy coming on here and chatting with you. Well, I'll tell you what. When I was a kid, when I was like 12, 13 years old, we moved to Redmond, Washington. This was before Microsoft, before it was really developed. And we lived in a development that had a little nine-hole golf course. And I quickly discovered that I was a really, really bad golfer. But what I loved to do was go to the ponds that were the water hazards, and I'd catch bullfrogs. And I'd catch them in the evening, and I'd catch them in the morning before all the golfers came out. And to me, that was the greatest thing. You did kind of the same thing when you were that age too, didn't you? 
Oh, I did. I did. Well, and I'll just give you a little sidebar. Back in the day, before I uh, before I became an outdoor writer, I was a greenskeeper on a golf course. We may have talked about this before, actually, but yeah, kind of the kind of the same way. I've never been a golfer, but I did really enjoy being a greenskeeper because of those water hazards you mentioned. I used to keep a spinning rod on my golf cart when I'd be out watering the greens. I'd stop and I'd throw a cinco in the water hazards, and then there were always big bullfrogs in there. Probably partly because all the fertilizer run off that <laughs> that went into those ponds. But man, there were some big frogs. But even my greenskeeper days aside, long before that, growing up in western Kentucky, I really enjoyed frog hunting. And, uh, you know, here in Kentucky, you can pursue bullfrogs with either a hunting or a fishing license, depending on what you what you get them with. So I've caught them on a rod and reel. You can like a bluegill hook with a little piece of red T-shirt in front of them. They'll jump out and grab it. And so if you use a rod and reel, you can have a fishing license. If you use a firearm, um, you got to have a hunting license. And if you use a frog gig, you can go with either one. That's the way it used to be when I was a kid. I've always bought both licenses, so I've always been safe. But uh, but yeah, it's it's considered both things, hunting and fishing around here. And it's a lot of fun. They're, they're really good to eat, too. Well, bullfrogs, I, I didn't know this as a kid. They're an invasive species in a lot of states. I don't know if that's true in kentucky but but here you can pursue them year-round you know obviously a little hard to get in the winter but sure there's sure. an actual season form in kentucky though isn't there yeah yeah there is they, they are not an invasive species around here they're a native species here and in most of the southeast and you know i always say it's a good thing that a bullfrog doesn't grow to 200 pounds because man they would uh, they'd probably give mankind a run for their money if you spent much time around them they're voracious critters. They will eat just about anything that you set in front of them. Uh, like I say, I used to go uh, with a little bluegill rod and a, and a hook and a little piece of red cloth, and you could just, I mean, you can walk right up behind them in the daylight and dangle that hook in front of them. They jump out and grab it. I throw them plastic worms up on the bank, and they'll they'll grab those plastic worms, stuff the whole thing in their mouth, and they, like I say, they, they'll eat just about anything they can stick to their mouth. But they are a native species around here, and you know, and, and hunting for them is a, is a tradition. The, the season usually comes in, I, I, I don't want to be quoted on this, but I think it's like the second Saturday in May or like the, the Saturday closest to May 15th, something. It's, it's always mid-May. It always comes in kind of the next thing in line, you know, here on the calendar after our for turkey season ends. So, and then it, it stays in pretty much all summer, I think, for your fault. Well, I'll tell you what, you wrote a really funny story about frog gigging when you were 12 years old that uh, was actually uh, written and appeared last year in Field and Stream. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about this uh, trip to a poop pond to gig frogs? <laughs> well, you know, um, when you're 12 years old, you, you find something that's, you know, as, as rare as a, as a dog poop retention pond. I mean, you <laughs> You got to go try to gig frogs in it, you know what I mean? And I, I don't know what it was that my buddy, my best buddy at the time, his name was Dan, his aunt bred Rottweilers, bred and sold Rottweilers. And, uh, you know, Rottweiler is a big old dog. Oh, yeah. And when you got when you got a dozen of them or more, man, that's a, that's a lot of poop that they make. <laughs> Even in a week's time, you got to have something to... Something to do with that. Uh, you know, uh, I've never been in the dog breeding business, and it's never something I really would have considered. Probably most people wouldn't think about it, but she had a little lagoon on her property where she disposed of this dog poop. And, I, I, you know, as so far as, like, following the EPA regulations and stuff, I have no idea. I can't speak to that. I can't say it was a long time ago. So maybe if there's, if there's anything there, the statute of limitations has run out. But regardless, <laughs> she had this little pond that was in the woods from her house where they 
you know, where they hauled off the Rottweiler poop and they, they do it in this pond, or at least that's what my buddy Dan told me. And this little pond was just full of frogs. Dan had been in there scouting it. And of course, you know, with bullfrogs, when you're scouting in the spring, they call, you know, at sunset and they'll call during the night. You hear the big males and, uh, you know, they got that deep kind of, you know, call that they make. And you can scout a pond in a way, you know, same way you'd scout for turkeys, you know, just by going and listening. And for every male that you hear calling, you would bet that there's a couple of big female frogs in there, too. And Dan had told me, he said, man, I, I snuck through the woods and I heard these frogs in there and it is just full of them. And so I stayed at his, at, at his house that weekend, or I think we were at his grandmother's house. We hiked up to that pond and had our big maglite flashlights. He had a big snap gig, which was uh, kind of a spring-loaded, you know, he called it a gig, but it was a, it was a spring-loaded, almost like a like a grabber, and, uh, and it was on the end of this long pole. I don't know that I've ever seen one since, but he'd had one. I guess his grandfather had given it to him, and, you know, you, you press it against the ground, and it was almost like a foothold trap on the end of this thing. It would grab those frogs around the middle, and, and they, they could not get loose. And, and then I had, you know, your, your regular frog gig, which is just kind of a miniature fish spear, sort of looks like a big fork. And we got out there, and shining the lights around this pond, and, I mean, you could, you know, it's not like it smelled like Rottweiler poop, but you knew that's what was in there. <laughs> and these frogs were just everywhere, but we were having a hard time getting at them from the bank. We, we'd go around the bank, and they'd jump in and spook, you know. And so after a few tries of that, of course, we had on our old Converse, you know, tennis shoes and jeans and stuff where we waded off in this pond, and, and that way we could be in the water and pin the frogs up to the bank with our gigs. And, and we came out of there with a sack full of them. And, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, – those messes that country kids get into, <laughs> and uh, you know everything ended up okay. But you know, after I turned that story in, I had a, I had a couple of the editors at Field and Stream emailing, "Did you really wait off in that pond and do that?" And I'm like, yeah, you know, we never thought a thing about it whenever we were twelve years old. So. Well, <laughs> it I, might not be something I, I'd be in a big hurry to do today. Yeah, well, I'm not sure I'd be eating uh, bullfrogs out of a poop pond, but I do know that. <laughs> Bullfrogs' legs, when properly prepared, can be very tasty. I never actually had them until I was stationed in Europe when I was in the service. How do you like to cook them up? You know, same way that I like to cook up just about everything. I like to batter them and deep fry them. You know, frog legs are actually one of my favorite foods, always have been. And, um, you know, they've got a lay. I mean, everybody says everything tastes like chicken or whatever, and they, they actually do have a texture that's pretty similar to, to a chicken leg. And then, the you know, the flavor of them, I don't know, it's kind of, Kind of a blend between like a nice crappie fillet and a you know and a, and a chicken leg. You know, it's kind of a, a <laughs> pretty firm white meat. And you know, I like to rinse them, rinse them off. You know, rinse them in a little salt water. You put salt on skin frog legs; they're going to twitch in the bowl there for a while. Just <laughs> way a lot of reptiles and amphibians do when you clean them and get them ready for the table. They've got a lot of nerves and stuff in there that makes them twitch like that. And then I'll roll them in uh, you know in seasoned flour. You can get Kentucky Colonel flour off the shelf or any really kind of fish fry that you like and you know put them in an electric deep fryer and, and deep fry them and dip them in tartar sauce or like a remoulade sauce or something like that they're really good but i've had them grilled before they're fine like that uh but you know day in and out if i've got a if i've got a bowl of frog legs to work with i'm probably gonna fry them there you go folks gigging frogs it's a thing will wrote a great story about it and now you know how to cook them up too will always a pleasure sir to have you on america outdoors radio yeah, thanks, John. I enjoy uh, coming on here and chatting with you.
We've been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason. They are the only Alaska lodge we talk about in this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales, and let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing. Halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. I'm Anthony Imperato, president of Henry Repeating Arms. Patriotic Americans are looking to protect and provide for their families now more than ever. Henry has over 200 rifles and shotguns to choose from. Made in America or not made at all. And backed by a lifetime guarantee. Order a free catalog, decals, and a list of Henry dealers in your area. Go to HenryUSA.com or call 1-800-958-4993. Thank you and God bless America. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Attention small business owners, this could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the Employee Retention Credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop is Loxahatchee, Florida. It's the... Home for Amber's Animal Outreach. It is a animal rescue organization, and they are having their fourth annual Paws and Reels tournament to benefit this organization. And it's an opportunity for all of you listening today to go fishing and maybe win some cash and prizes. With us here to tell us more about it is Amber's mother, Kelly Nelson. Kelly, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. So Thank August you. 19th is the day this is happening. The location is Sailfish Marina. Exactly where is Sailfish Marina in Florida? In Palm Beach, Florida. All right. So okay. Palm Beach, Florida is where Sailfish Marina is. Now, August 19th is the day of the tournament. Entry fee is $300 per boat and four anglers per boat. That includes the captain's dinner. It includes a lunch for four and some other swag. What are we fishing for? We're fishing for the KDW and Oahu. And at weigh-in, we are going to do a combined weight of one fish per category. And oh. then it will be a combined weight, so the winner of that will win the prize. We have first, second, and third place will, will be money. And we have a women's and a junior's division, which will be prizes. All right, Kelly, you're going to have to educate me. What is a KDW? It's kingfish, dolphin, and wahoo. Thank you for the education. (laughs) (laughs) They get to to pick the largest of each category, and then we're going to do a combined weight. Gotcha. Okay, well, this sounds fun. So last year, how big were the fish that took the prize, if you remember? Oh, they were small. We just did the dolphins, and they were maybe five pounds. So this year, we're doing the three different combined weights of the different fish. That sounds like a very good idea. So let's talk about the organization that this benefits, Amber's Animal Outreach. It was founded by your daughter when she was, what, 12 years old? That's correct. Okay. And what does the the outreach do? We rescue dogs a lot from a lot of the high-kill shelters and hoarding cases, Dog people just giving their dogs up, abandoned dogs. And a lot of them need medical attention or else they're going to be euthanized or at the high-kill shelters. They're also just for space that they euthanize, unfortunately. And we'll rescue them and get them back to health and then find a wonderful forever family. And how do you go about doing that? We get emails from the shelters and then we'll get the rescue, we'll get the dogs, and then we bring them to our veterinarians that we work with. And whatever medical needs they need, some need surgery, some heartworm positive, which is very expensive and a deadly treatment, but it's curable. And it's costly. So we are small rescue, but we stay small for that reason because our medical bills are very high. Do you rely on, like, foster families for these pets until they do find their forever homes? We do. We, we are foster-based. We do not have a facility. So they're with us or in foster homes and until they get adopted. And that's why, you know, we also have to supply them with all the food and the medical care. So we depend a lot on donations for money and supplies and also fosters to help us. Well, I have a very dear friend named Rebecca who introduced me to this whole concept of animal rescue and fostering. And when she heard about your tournament, she said, you've got to interview these people. And so that's why you're on the air today. Oh, wonderful. And I'm glad that you are, and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about, for folks who cannot make it down to the tournament on August 19th, and by the way, captain's meeting August 18th at the Sailfish Marina, but if you can't make it down to the tournament and fish, you can be a sponsor, and what does that involve, and what do you get out of that? We have several different sponsor levels, and they can visit our website, which is www.aaodog.org. They can submit whatever sponsorship they want. They get advertisements. They'll have their logos on all the event banners, uh, announcement at the luncheon and the captain's dinner. All on social media, they'll be advertised. Or they can even donate promotional items to put in all the buckets for all the anglers. And we 
are taking donations for raffle prizes and silent auction prizes also. There's a lot of different ways they can help out if they can't show up. And how many anglers, give or take, participate in this tournament every year? Last year we had like 20 boats, and there's like four anglers on each. So that's like 80 anglers, and that the luncheon is bigger because their wives or girlfriends will come and meet. All right. Well, this sounds like all sorts of fun. And that's right, folks. If you can't fish, uh, you can always go to the luncheon. And you've got vendors that are set up down there at the marina, too, don't you? Yes, we do. We have a large area that we um, set up vendors. They can sell their products, and they get advertised also. All so right. They get, yeah, their logo's all on the banners, and they can sell whatever they want they, of their products. Okay. Well, sounds like a fun fishing tournament. First prize is $1,500. Again, it's a combined weight of the kingfish, dolphin, and wahoo that's going to get that. And there's all sorts of other prizes and other divisions, too. Again, the captain's meeting, August 18th. The tournament itself, August 19th. That's Sailfish Marina in Palm Beach, Florida. You can find out more at aaodog.org. That's aaodog.org. Whether you want to fish, whether you want to be a sponsor, or just support Amber's Animal Outreach, which is doing some really great work for some pets that need some forever homes. Kelly, thank you for what you and Amber are doing to help out in this regard, and good luck with the tournament. Well, thank you so much for having us. Moving on, you've probably noticed our audio sounds a little bit different today on our phone interviews, and there's a reason for that. You see, I've moved not just my home, but also the studio in my home. I've got some new digs, and i got to admit, it's pretty nice here. I'm living in the Columbia Basin of eastern Washington now, literally right across the street from Potholes State Park and 27,000 acre Potholes Reservoir, which is ranked as the 18th best bass fishing lake in the West by Bassmaster. So that's a nice thing. The fact that my best friend lives three quarters of a mile away is also nice. And the fact that we have our bass boat here is an added bonus. So I'm definitely in my happy place, but there have been some growing pains with the studio. The biggest one being getting a working phone line. I've actually been working on this since June 22nd, and I'll be honest, it's been a nightmare. I mean, this is not the opinion of any radio station you're listening to. This is just my personal experience working with a company called CenturyLink. And the first day that they were supposed to show up for the installation, they literally no-showed. guy called up at the end of the day and said, I'm just not going to make it. So we tried again a few days later, and he did show up a couple hours later than he's promised, but he did show up and installed my phone lines. So I moved in on July 1st, plugged in the phone, and I've got nothing. And it turns out that I found this out actually through my fiber internet provider that he just didn't hook up the phone lines at all in one case and in the other case left them loose and so that's why I had no working phone. So that tech actually got me working and I thought all was well until I was calling folks to record interviews for this show and found out I can receive calls but I cannot make any outgoing calls with my studio line. I literally spent hours upon hours talking to overseas representatives that could help me in any way and got no resolution. And this won't be fixed until at least July 20th. So basically a month-long battle. Customer service has been difficult to say the least. Everything's offshore. There's no offices you can go to. There's nobody local you can talk to. And you just get transferred from department to department to department. It's been horrific, plain and simple. But again, this is not 
any official statement from any radio station. It's just my personal experience trying to get a working phone line through CenturyLink. So take that for what it's worth. In the meantime, we'll continue to work on getting everything up and running the way it completely should be. And I am grateful that the audio, even though it's different, it's still broadcast quality. So that much is good. We can work on this. And I also need to tell you that I am going to be giving you a best of show next week. And the reason why is what I alluded to at the very beginning of this show. I am heading to Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska. This weekend, I'm going to be gone through midweek, and I simply won't have time to put another show together before next weekend. So you'll hear a great best of episode. I hope you enjoy it. And the week after that, we'll tell you all about the trip that my best friend Rusty Johnson and I are taking to Sportsman's Cove in Alaska, and we'll let you know how the fishing was, too. If you get a chance, I hope you'll check out our Facebook page at America Outdoors Radio and our website at AmericaOutdoorsRadio.com. Especially when it comes to the website, you can find out who our supporters are, and I hope you'll support them, because without that sponsor support, we would not be able to bring this show to you every week. So I am grateful for their support. I hope that if you like this show, you will support them too, and consider giving them your business. We make it a point to partner with some very high-quality companies, and I think you'll be pleased with each and every one you do business with. On that note, it is time to go. I know I'm going to have a great time in Alaska, and I hope that you have a great time in the week ahead, too. Hopefully some time on the water, maybe in the field or in the woods, or maybe even on the beach, whatever it may be. Here's hoping you are blessed and healthy in the week ahead, and do remember this. It is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. (laughs) 